0: Welcome and thanks for tuning in to Diving Deep with DL. What if I told you that everyone came from the same zip code? You would think I was crazy, and everyone coming from the same zip code is an impossibility. And you know you're right, in the physical, that is. But what about the spiritual? Would that be an impossibility? It may be impossible for billions to be in one place in the physical realm, but how much space does a spirit take up in the cosmos? I mean, after After all, around the Lamb's throne, God's word says, the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, as Revelation 5 testifies. So I would testify it is possible for a massive amount of beings to collect in one place because all things are possible with God. Amen. So can we agree everyone could have had one address? You got your tanks. Let's dive in. This segment is titled Discipleship the Way of Life Egypt The first thing I would like to say this godcast is not about the physical country of Egypt, who is known throughout history of humanity as one of the extraordinary people and cultures in ancient and modern world history, nor is this godcast about its citizens before, during or after Jesus' time on this earth. It's about one spiritual condition, a spiritual condition that is being held in the clutches and bondage of sin and death, and believe it or not, in relationship and under the influence of the devil. And this God cast is also directed to those who have been delivered from captivity within the domain of darkness, a darkness that's under the direct influence, power, and control of Satan. And the primary focus is on the only true God and their work in their predetermined plan and by their foreknowledge. Again, I will remind you of this wonderful truth that frees their disciples from the clutches, deception, physical and spiritual darkness produced in and through this world. And the initial indication of God's work in and through their creation called humanity in this passage, and it should be illuminating to the fourth passage, because one would have to ask, how did he know he wasn't there? Listen to what God says to their disciple Matthew in Matthew 16, 13-17, titled, Peter's Confession of Christ, Matthew 16, 13-17. Now, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Bluster you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So it becomes crystal clear that God the Father has delivered Simon and put life into a man that has clearly understood his own spirituality under the skin. Listen to what Simon says to God about himself. It's scribed in Luke 5, 1 through 8. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret, and he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing but I will do as you say and let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. So they signaled to the partners in the other boats for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, He fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. See, when God brings his marvelous light into your darkness, he illuminates you, and you see yourself in your depraved spiritual position and condition for the first time in your life. He didn't just say, I have had thoughts, from time to time that were bad, nor some, I've said some bad things here and there, nor did some bad things now and then. No, my fellow disciples, he called himself a sinful man. And it's exactly what God says about humanity, but God calls it evil. Listen to what God has said through their disciples, Matthew and Matthew seven, which is a part of the last part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew seven verse eleven. Listen, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who love? Who? Oh, excuse me. Who ask Him? Did you hear what God said? he said if you then being evil and if all of the good yous you know the yous are you and you want to claim those truths of god then you must accept these truths of god about you you as well my fellow disciples amen see peter understands his own evilness do you or do you think you are inherently a good person because you had good parents and good grandparents and good great-grandparents and, and were born in a denominational or a non-denominational or any other religious or pious state, for that matter, and are a good person? And only those who were born in families that had bad parents and bad grandparents and bad great-grandparents, well, they're really the evil ones because they never went to church and they were born in a hedonistic, agnostic state of existence. God testifies as to who is actually behind these lies and deceptions because you are born in sin and by nature are children of wrath, just like the rest. Go read, study, and meditate on Ephesians 2. So Simon knows how he really is because God made it evident to him that day. Now I hope and pray God brings encouragement to you today that your lips will also testify to God's work of salvation in your evil life. Because even though the years have gone by, cultures have come and gone, trends have changed. Know this, my fellow disciples, it's the same sin and the same salvation. That's the plain old truth. Listen. Listen to what Peter's now says in Acts 2, titled Peter's sermon. It's Acts 2:22 through 24. Men of Israel, listen to these words. putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held by its power. Now, wait a minute. Who said this? Oh, it was the man that called himself evil. Oops, sinful. I mean, he called himself sinful. How did Simon know the fact that this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God? He wasn't there. All of Jesus' disciples should testify because flesh and blood did not reveal this to Simon, but God the Father who is in heaven did. Sounds like to me, Simon Barjona, whom Jesus later calls Peter, was doing the will of the Father. The plain old truth God can and does the same spiritual work they have done from the beginning of their predetermined plan by their foreknowledge. And you know the simple truth, my fellow disciples? It all began the day God said, let there be light. And you will be or have been like Simon because God stepped into your spiritual darkness and brought forth his light. And as a result of their never ending work in and through humanity, you too will say those same two words that every disciple will say forever. I was an evil person, but God We must always be laser focused on God the Father's will and the deliverance of his people. And that would be you, my fellow disciples, and all the other myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands that were transferred into the kingdom by God the Father to the Son's kingdom, Jesus Christ. Here's your proof, it's Colossians 1, 13. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Well, that he has to be God the Father, because if he was Jesus who was the transferer, Jesus would have surely said, transferred us into my kingdom. Amen. The plain old truth, my fellow disciples, is God the Father saves, set free, and pardons you from your pagan beliefs, religious ideologies, and ritualistic behaviors, your self-righteousness, and a sin-infested essence, which actually confirms the spiritual state of unbelief and an evil spirit. Proof? Listen. It's what God said through their disciple Ezekiel. It's Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. The plain old truth, my fellow disciples, a new heart and spirit are required in order for you to walk in newness of life as a disciple of Jesus, because you were born with a heart of stone and an evil spirit and a sin nature before God does their salvation work in you. Let me ask you, why do you think we call it the terrible twos? I thought they were innocent. Hmm. This essence-changing work of God is truly God's inner spiritual circumcision, a circumcision made without hands. Go read, study, and meditate on Colossians 2, amen? It's truly the work of God bringing in their divine nature into your spiritual essence. That's unresponsive and stubborn, obstinate, and sin is at the core, and then change forever. Go read, study, and meditate on 2 Corinthians 5, 17. God doesn't say, change and I'll love you. No, God says, I love you. Now change. God is truly amazing. So, why Egypt? Huh? Well, Egypt is biblical. And it's a spiritual condition. And the physical condition can produce the same effects on each person individually. For instance, a famine would be no food produced by the land. Spiritual famine is the lack of spiritual life, and no life is produced within the essence because the individual is spiritually dead. Egypt is a form of spiritual captivity and bondage, because biblically, Egypt represented a spiritual and physical separation from God, which is the consequence of living in a state of lifeless disobedience to the only true God, His word, ways, and commands. The ongoing practice of all types of sin, regardless of the degrees, is the evidence of spiritual corruption and depravity that is existence in it. The essence of the individual spirit is deficient and destitute of the light, power, truth, and work of the only true God. And these spirits are actually under the operation, direction, and conformity of this world and by nature bond slaves to sin and Satan. Egypt has a Nile River as its source of life. The only true goddess placed their disciples on this planet as a source of living water that flows through the darkness of sin and death in this world because the light of life's spirit is living within his chosen people. Go read, study, and meditate on 1 Peter 2.9 and Romans 8.29. Amen? Throughout God's word, you could find close associations to what the Israelites were experiencing in their physical existence, conditions of oppression, slavery, and bondage which is completely comparable the spiritual conditions of oppression, slavery, and bondage to sin within the realm of their spirituality by the rulers, the powers, the world forces of this darkness, and the spiritual forces of wickedness in the spiritual realm. Egypt represents the life of every human being who is born as a slave to sin. And if God's word is in fact true, and it is, Romans 3.23 testifies that, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then if it's all, then all inhabited Egypt. And when God says all, he means all. But here's a real eye-opener. And again, I will say, I can only speak for myself. I lived in a red light district in downtown Egypt. I too was sinful at birth, and I think calling myself a wretch is really nicer than what I truly deserve to be called a very evil man. And I even think that I was possessed by an evil spirit, but only God knows that for certain. In the intro, I mentioned everyone does possess one spiritual address. Yes, in the physical realm, it would be an impossibility to house all of humanity in one location. But cogitate on this, my fellow disciples. Spiritually, it doesn't matter the kind or degree of sin you think, say, or do. Because it's a state and a condition of one spirituality. Many are deceived to believe that they are not a resident of Egypt because they get their mail delivered to the front door. But the truth be known, they conform their lives and their actions to the will and pleasures of the great usurper, the devil himself. What a great deception! to have such an illusion that causes individuals to compare themselves to the evilest beings on this planet, to make themselves more righteous and deceive themselves to think they have no need for a savior. You may not have been my neighbor in a red light district, and you may have even lived in the burbs or even in the countryside, but, I must remind you, you still had an Egypt zip code. Amen? Now, we have learned from God's word, sin brings forth death. Listen to what God says in Romans six twenty three a For the wages of sin is death. Now, you have heard me say the physical is directly related to the spiritual. Well, here's how. It sounds like economy, right? Wages. Death is a payment that is due a sinner. Just like you expect your payment at the end of your work week for the work you have accomplished. This biblical truth of God is true for every sin committed in your entire Said to the disciple James, it's James one fifteen, then when lust has conceived it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Now I know you can think in your own life on how much death destruction has caused in your own family as a result of your own sinful thoughts, words. And deeds, Am I the only one? Many are deceived to believe there is a difference in degrees of sin. But God's word doesn't say that. He simply says, for the wages of sin, and it's S-I-N, is death. When sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. NGA, it's either life or death, my fellow disciples. One's practice of sin confirms their spiritual position and condition, and you must believe every person born of the seed of Adam has sin's depravity in their innermost being. That's the plain old truth. And then that would explain your terrible twos, and your teens, and your 20s, and thirties, and forties, and so on. So, listen to this truth of God through their disciple Paul in Ephesians 2, 1 and 3. And you were dead in your trespasses and sin in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, Among them, too, we all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Believe it or not, everyone born on this planet is born in Egypt. And you once were dead in your trespasses and sin and were slaves to your evil sinful flesh because sin is inherent and at the core of everyone's existence. Listen to Romans 5.12 Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all mankind because all sinned. Look around you. Tell me what you see. Do you see a physical plane full of crimes, vices, injustice, and immoralities? Listen to this truth of God. It's James 3.16. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Now, I know you see jealousy and selfish ambition and these evil behaviors are driven by worldly principles, acts of secular motives, and serving human desires and intentions. It's a complete indulgence of the flesh, making provision to fulfill the lusts and desires of itself. And it seems natural when one asks where sin came from, most immediately spout out and point to Adam and Eve. But up here, Drake's driver. Pump your brakes and listen to this truth of God. It's Isaiah fourteen twelve through fifteen. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations, but you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Nevertheless, you will be thrust down the Sheol to the recesses of the pit. Lucifer's name is also Satan. And God's word confirms Satan fall, which supports what God scribed through Isaiah, is what Jesus said he saw, listed in Luke 10 verse 18. And he said to them, "I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning." And this fall, my fellow disciples, was well before Adam and Eve. So What about you? Let me first say, the heart is the seed of the mind and what fills your heart saturates your mind. See it like this. Take a dry napkin, ball it up in your hand and you will see nothing comes out when you squeeze that napkin as tight as you can. Now wet it and now squeeze it tightly And as the water passes through your fingers, think of what fills your heart soaks your mind. And when it does, your eyes, mouth, and feet follow. That's the plain old truth. If sin fills your heart, it will flood your mind, and your eyes, mouth, and feet will follow. NGA. And the simple truth? When God completes his supernatural heart and spirit transplant, as God testifies... It will be as God confirmed in Ezekiel 36. God's word, will, ways, and commands fills your heart. It will soak your mind and your eyes, mouth, and feet will follow. That's the plain old truth. Listen to this truth of Jesus, which is recorded in Matthew 15, titled The Heart of Man. It's Matthew 15, verses 15 through 20. Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us, Jesus said. Are you still lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murderers, adulteries, Fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. These are the things which defile the man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. All of humanity struggles, wrestles, strains, and completely is powerless under the weight and control of sin. Sin, as God described it, is in Galatians 5, 19 and 20. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you. Just as I forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators or idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And the most heartbreaking are those who perform numerous futile attempts to try to be a quote-unquote good person, Yet one has a stubborn, hard-hearted, rebellious soul trying to make themselves right with God. And one's wishful thinking is that God would see their facade, ignore their multitude and span of sin, and not just the sin against their own bodies, but the sin they commit against others, and most importantly, the grievous sin against the holy and righteous God. The sadness of it all are those that deceive themselves, believe that God will believe their facade, and allow the deceiver into their presence to reside with them forever. When God inspired me to write a book titled, walking the way, discipling everywhere with a fresh set of eyes. Believe me, I was in awe. But I must tell you, my fellow disciples, in writing this book, I asked God many, many questions. And believe it or not, God answered me, and then he asked me questions as well. I would say that's what happens when you are in relationship with the only true God, and he is a loving father and I am one of his children, the sheep of his flock that was transferred from the red light district into the kingdom of his beloved son and one of his disciples, praise God. All I can say is I was an evil person, but God. Now the question, that God asked. I had to answer. And I gave him the answer from the bottom of my new heart. And this was the question that God asked. What happened when your foot touched the other side of the Red Sea? And the answer, my fellow disciples, is in the section, segment called Testimony. And this is what it says. Jesus' disciples' testimony is really about what happened after their foot touched the sand on the other side of the Red Sea. It could be easy for me to say I was free when my foot hit the sand, and the end of story, but there's more to it than that. It is always about the saving power of Jesus and the freedom found in him comes when you reach the other side where your footsteps start and freedom begins. Jesus asked me, what happened when your foot touched the other side of the Red Sea? Here's the answer I wrote to his question. I learned sin was prevalent in my life. I was being held captive and captivated by it simultaneously. It was extremely appealing to me and I enjoyed the pleasures of it. I really considered the consequences and the destruction it could, would, and did bring into my life. My sin affected and infected the lives of those around me. The snares of sin commence as minor and appear to be controllable. I proceeded with a false sense of confidence, not realizing I was blind to the depth of it. As sin continued to compound itself, it grew in enormity, intensity, and severity. I began to recognize it was influencing my thoughts, words, and deeds. At this point, I had no self-control. I began to sink deeper into its clutches as it sank deeper into my heart. I could not escape and needed to be rescued by you. Jesus, I know you already knew when you gave me a fresh set of eyes to see and brought me into your light. I realized I was free. While standing there, I realized it was me. I was the culprit all along. Please forgive me." My fellow disciples, God is faithful. And you want to know the truth. God is faithful, even when you're not. That's the plain old truth. Listen, it's Deuteronomy seven, verse nine. Know therefore that uh, the Lord your God He is God, the faithful God who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousandth generation with those who love him and keep his commandments. Deuteronomy 32.4 The Rock His work is perfect for all his ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. Psalm 89, eight. O Lord, God of hosts, who is like you, O mighty Lord? Your faithfulness also surrounds you. In 1 Corinthians 1, nine, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. As we head back up, take this with you. You know one of the amazing things? When someone lives in Egypt, there is no desire to leave. Because sin has all of what your flesh needs, wants, and desires. As a disciple of Jesus, you should know if God mentions something one time, he expects his disciples to sit up, pay attention, and act upon it. Amen? And Jesus mentions many points in his Sermon on the Mount, which you can find in Matthew 5-7. Go read, study, and meditate on them. And his words, and they, will bless your life, And it will fill your mind, saturate your heart, and your eyes, mouth, and feet will follow. Amen. Now, depending on the Bible translation God has directed you to use, well, I myself, I cut my teeth on the NAS. But God mentioned sin in the NAS 1,176 times. What do tell Are we to do as his disciples about sin i will testify ignoring it is not an option of consideration that's the simple truth cogitate on this if sin could destroy humanity's relationship with god it can kill anything it's about all occupants that were delivered from the red light district in downtown Egypt, including those that lived in the burbs and on the countryside. All of us have one thing in common, zip code E-G-Y-P-T. And lastly, let me say this, it's what Jesus said, and you can find it scribed in John ten thirty seven and 38. If you do not, it, correction, if I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. So, my fellow disciples, if I do not do the works of Jesus, do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works so that you may know and understand that Jesus is in me and I am in Jesus. Amen. Let me pray for you. Abba, we love you and Thank you for today. This is a day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Abba, it just baffles my mind on how you could reach into darkness and find a wretch, evil spirit like me and that you in your mercy and in your love and your grace would reach in and pull me out as despicable and disgusting as I was. There is someone who in their midst of their tears and the darkness and the closed in their room are asking, for you to enter into their darkness. There are some that don't even know nor care that you would. It's only by the power of your spirit that you would bring forth that life. Bring forth that life to someone today. And that way we still know that yesterday you saved, today you saved. And you'll be saving every day until the last disciple is saved. And I ask, Lord, to write your words on a tablet of their hearts so that the mind will be flooded and their hearts will be saturated and therefore their words and their talk and their walk would be in accordance to your will and your command there are places I know that you're going to take this God cast. That someone will hear this truth and it will bring the hope that someone that needs encouragement today to keep pressing on because you are conforming us into the image of Jesus and it is very difficult with a sinful flesh but only by your power can we accomplish it because it is hard to be like Jesus it is difficult to be like Jesus but it's not impossible because we can only accomplish it with your spirit thank you for today may you be glorified in what you see and what you hear We thank you for today. We thank you for this time. And we thank you and are so, so grateful for Jesus. Because without Jesus, we have no access to you. We thank you for your spirit, who brings forth the truth, the life into deadness. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in to Diving Deep with DL. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, for his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Have a great day of worship and keep walking the way.